Can I tell you, I almost three times tweeted, Gomez, I barely even know Mez, which is a stoop. Like, and every time I was like, just sound it out. Tell me if it makes sense. No, it doesn't work. And then I come back to it an hour later. I was like, maybe now's the time. The no Mez tweet. And then I read it again. And I was like, no, this is stupid. And I came back to it a third time. This is why I'm trying to drink less and go on Twitter. Thanks to Gomez, I barely even know Mez. You dyed it in red. Remember Todd White. Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask. It's the Chet and Luke Podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode Bishop of the Chet Sellers and Luke Pristy Podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined as always by a veteran who's eager to show that he's still got it what it takes to play in this league is Chet Sellers. <laughs> but hold your applause because I'm pleased to announce that we're also joined by the Archbishop of Banterbury, Father James from Our Lady of Hearing and Believing Parish. That's right. It's a very special episode. Gentlemen, thank you for coming in. It's hey. a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Shout out to myself off the hop. Love the show. Yeah. <laughs> I had a question for you guys. Where were you when you found out Shane Prince had been traded? Oh, let's get right God into it. God bless the dead. We yeah. spent uh, a good 20 minutes breaking down the Dion Phaneuf deal. This one I can see going for at least an hour. Yeah. We kind of have to split the Senator's organization into two epochs now. And it's like kind of... Before the Shane Prince trade and after the Shane Prince trade. If I don't want to divide it in two, does that make me the real mother of the Ottawa Senators? <laughs> so I heard Shane Prince got traded. Yeah, um, no, not really talked Sen's about legend. <laughs> yeah, Sen's legend. Yeah. Sen's legend. Rest in peace Jason. his 22 career points as an Ottawa Senator. If you notice his um, bio on Twitter now, it says a New York Islander number whatever. Uh, 11. 11. That was notable for we some got, reason. So it was a, we are, but then it says, okay, sure. former Ottawa 67. And then... <laughs> and I was like, there's a job in the middle of those. I yeah, think. and it's, it's it goes... <laughs> he's back in New York where he wants to. It was kind of great. Where he was born and raised, where he, where he's going to spend uh, most of his life. He's a New York boy. I know. He's, he plays for the Islanders now, who actually yeah, I, play in Brooklyn. It's like, that's okay. They've got no liberals in Brooklyn. Yeah. He's a New <laughs> York boy. He's a New York boy. Like, I'm sure New York City would associate themselves with Rochester and Absolutely. New York. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, but, you know, I wish him the best of luck with the Islanders back in New York. And you know, I'm sure that he'll feel brand new, and the lights will inspire him, and and all the of that. and and the fans in the audience at the Barclays Center will see some of his game, like from their <laughs> viewpoint. You yeah, know, that's... sometimes they'll see him driving possession, other times they'll see like a weird rickety steel gate and the backs of people's heads. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I like Shane Prince, but I also liked that when he was traded. I think the first game he played for the Islanders, he was on a line with Tavares, and people yeah. were like, oh, no, <laughs> he's going to score 40 goals now. And then I looked at the box score after that game, and it was like, Shane minutes. Prince, 11 minutes, zero points, yeah. zero assists, minus one. I and think I even, like, by the third, even by the third period, there was some guy from like New York Daily News who tweeted, like, yeah, this experiment's over. <laughs> but it's like, there once was a man who played for Ottawa, but not that much, and now he doesn't play here anymore. Well, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to like sends Twitter really commemorating every point he gets from here on out. <laughs> like those twelve points could have been ours. Though. Well, for me, for me, it's kind of like the Ottawa Senators do not have a long and storied history of trading away good forwards. 
Like they've like Dee's forward, sure. Shout out to Marian my man Marion Yamamoto. <laughs> Recently, <laughs> shout out to Hall of Famer Marion. Shout Hosa. out to my man. I don't know, like Jakob Silverberg. You know that guy yeah. on that. You know, kind of yeah, twenty-five sure. points wave. You know, it's even Jason Spezza is like a terrible, objectively not a good trade. And it's kind of like, yeah, but we weren't going to keep that guy anyway. And you know, Alex Shason's going to like hit the fourteen-point mark at any point now. Well, that's sort yeah. of where I am so, with, with yeah, Shane so Prince. Like he was. He was not going to play, and you can talk about whether that's the right decision or not, but he was not going to play. Getting a third back for him is not that bad, and it's true that um, they'll say, well, yeah, but the best-case scenario for a third-round pick is that you draft somebody who turns into Shane Prince. My guess is if the Senators have that pick and another third pick, and, like, Brian Murray also loves to trade draft picks. Right? <laughs> he does, yeah. <laughs> And it's fine to say, well, let's see what that third-round pick turns into compared to Shane Prince. I would bet that third-round pick is going to be traded along with a package of two other picks and three players for, like, <laughs> the rights to Steven Stamkos. <laughs> Yo, those last 20 games with Steven Stamkos. The day, before, the day before he turns UFA. Yo, are you kidding? You think the Mike Hoffman contract watch is unbearable? Just wait till we're trying to figure out whether or not we can sign Steven Stamkos. Oh, man. I low-key think that the organization didn't get along with them after that trade request last Alleged, year. That allegedly, allegedly, allegedly <laughs> but you know, his family was deep in the streets on the Shane Prince Twitter, not getting a fair chance. And I think, I think Ottawa gave up on a good player. And my take initially was, you know, well, they kind of cut ties on him fast, and then someone hit me with a while actually that was like, well, he was drafted like five, six years ago at this point. Like, I think they've sort of made peace with, like, this guy's not going to be in our top I, six. I think just about every player from the 2011 draft uh, has played for the team this year. Oh, it's like, you like only two Ryan Zingle. It's, it's seventh round of Ryan Zingle, yeah. Legendary draft. Legendary draft. Yeah. But Shane Prince had, like, I like Shane Prince too, and he had relative value. Like, he was a good third, fourth liner. I agree with you, James. Like, I don't think he would have cracked the top six. I think I think the Senators' problem is not their top six, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, that is the, it's very easy to sort of take relative value and say, okay, incrementally he's better than a maybe a Zach Smith or a Chris Neal or whoever. Alex Shason right there, though. Yep. <laughs> he's definitely better than Alex Shason. But that's not the same thing as absolute value. His absolute value is a third-round pick, mm. right? And there will be another guy who comes along who can do more or less the same thing. And that's exactly it. I don't think they gave up a lot. I think they see Ryan Tingle, and <laughs> uh, they see a guy who's a fast skater, has pretty good hands, and is, from what I've seen, is like a very good defensive player. And Nick Paul, who is pretty raw at this point, but is... A hulking presence. He's on a that. lot bigger than I thought. You do notice him on the ice. I remember seeing, we went to that uh, preseason game, and he was playing on the ice at the same time as Bobby Ryan, and he was, like, towering oh, yeah. over Bobby Ryan. Like, Bobby Ryan's not small. Like, this guy is a humongous human being. He looks like he wasn't scouted. He was trapped. Yeah. yeah. You do sometimes have to remember, like, if you're a scout who's, like, watching players, like, the big guys do kind of yeah. catch your, like, do draw the eye. Yeah. He's, also, he's massive. He's one of those guys that just gets described in the grossest terms on draft day by grown men in suits. Yeah. He's, like, 18, and they're like, this kid is big, he is long, he has soft hands. <laughs> he's got <laughs> big hands, and you know what that means, you guys. We're, we're, all, just big, <laughs> we're all just big hockey fans at this point. <laughs> I'll tell you who didn't get traded. 
Patrick Mirakash. That's right. Not for lack of trying, from what I understand. <laughs> Still here. Still here. How many how many trade deadlines do we have to be subjected to the Patrick Mirakash trade watch before like we just Get rid of that guy. It's you know, like it's like a, it's like you know that relationship you just can't break up. You're like, how are you guys still together? I thought you were going to go break up with her, man. Check this out. Check this out. Would you trade those six points? Well, how many points did he get? It's six. Well, right or now or last year? <laughs> Yo, that's something to say. What's what? What points are you talking about? His entire season or that one round? But. It was the same Peter Regan equation where it was four points in six games, and then you buy yourself, like, one or two more years on the team roster. Would you trade those four points in six games for whatever Brian Murray was going to get that first time around (laughs) at the trade deadline for now, where where we're just going to have to, like, walk away and be like... My guy, you got five points this year. Like, thank you for your service. But, like, Chris Weidman got 12 points by accident. So you're like, uh, Borvietsky got an empty net goal. You can't get an empty net goal at this point. Like, we, can, we can't re-sign you for three million. The one thing that surprised I didn't realize that Weidman was older than Weirkosh is. Like, still. Wiser, too. I have, I have it on good authority that Wider. I have it Wider. on good authority that Chris Wider. Weidman is the new low-key hunk on the team. Yeah, no, your man has striking features. Yeah, good hair, good eyes. He's got the good hair, like baseball yeah. baseball scouts say. He's got that, he's got that, uh, that like, American hair, mm-hmm. you know? American eyes, twinkly eyes. Yeah, exactly. Would I have traded Patrick Weirkosh last year knowing then what I know now? You had a good year last year. You did. I thought it was all right he, last year. He was, he was somewhat integral to the run. I that's just that's the never, question that's like, like, what would have changed if not for the run, right? Like, would you, was that six playoff games, losing Montreal, worth the long-term damage? I thought he was good in the run and in the playoffs, but he was like Philip Kuba good. Like, he was like replaceable good. It's like Shane Prince. I just don't see him as one of those players that is going to like significantly hurt the team if he's not on the roster next no, season. No, but I do think I do think he will find a job next mm-hmm. year. I do for too. Sure. I think he I will be too. playing somewhere next year as opposed to like somebody like Jared Cowan. I'm like you yeah. could legitimately see in Europe. Or, exactly. But, totally oh, different. Man, well, you're... I can't see him in Europe. I can't see him running his own low-rent hockey school <laughs> in Saskatchewan. But like <laughs> but, but like Wirkosh may take a pay cut, but I'm not worried about him finding another job. No, he'll get on like the Tampa Bay Lightning bottom pairing or whatever. Florida will pick him up. It'll be a good but Manson, he, Weirkosh I mean, the thing, the thing with Weirkosh is that he has no trade value because if you want to keep him as an RFA, you have to pay him at least $2.7 million a year, yeah. which nobody's going to want to do coming off this season anyway. And the trade value-wise as well, you you know, I always think of the phone call between GMs mm-hmm. like, oh, no, we've scratched him for 23 straight yeah. games. But let me tell you, the kid's got a lot of promise. Yeah, yeah. Just not fitting into our non-playoff team. <laughs> whereas, if, and, and whereas if he just goes UFA, he can go anywhere and sign somewhere yeah. for like 1.2 which is probably what he's going to get next year on like a one or a two year deal. Do you think there's any chance that Ottawa takes him to arbitration and then tries to offer him the lowest possible which is 2.3? No, I don't think so. I think they let him walk. Yeah, I think and, and they, I mean, got, they got Weidman for 800k. 2.3 even seems but like this a is, lot. But this is the thing with like you want to talk about the Senators being a budget team and needing to be smart about how they spend money and use analytics. When you look at teams that 
understand replacement value. They end up basically stratifying into guys who get paid a ton of money and guys who get paid $800,000 a year. And there's very little creamy middle. So the Ottawa Senators, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like you pay your Kane and Tays $10 million a year. You pay your Stamkos $13 million a year. You pay Eric Carlson uh, not as much money as he deserves. And though, because you can't... Best contract ever. Aside of the day before he won his because starts. those guys the day before <laughs> those guys are at the top of the bell curve right you cannot replace them yeah. whereas the Patrick Weirkoshes and Shane Princes of the world there's always the idea is supposed to be that there's always going to be another one coming along from Binghamton and this time the new co- Prince is the new Condra Zingle is the new Prince right and all of them are going to make $700,000 a year and when they get too expensive you get rid of them so it sounds like you like prospects for you just a big pyramid scheme essentially you're just like just bring them out bring them in bring them out this bring is them, bring like them out, bring them if you, don't, if you don't believe me, just look at signing Colin Greening to a long-term <laughs> contract. Like, that's the guy that you should have let walk away. Yo, but because there's always another Colin Greening. Yo, Kondra wasn't healthy scratch the other Man, day. Man, I gotta, I gotta so unfollow so Leafs Twitter. Twitter. I'm so tired of, yeah, like... Yeah, what, what like, are you... Two, what is, what like, is up with you? Like, Colin Greening, let him go! <laughs> like, Babcock Systems doing wonders for the guys. Like, I watched that guy for years. Just, like, the only reason you think he's good is because you're comparing him to P.A. Parento, who's also not that good. James Myrtle was tweeting about the Leafs, and he said something about Colin Greening. And this guy, I just was looking at the replies to James Myrtle, and this guy was like, "I'd really like to see Colin Greening get a shot next year. I think he's got. I think he could really show us something." My, and, sweet, and, my sweet summer child. And while Myrtle's response was two words, he's thirty. <laughs> I was like, "That's fair. That's fair." But just going back to Weirkosh, I did also like that Murray was like, "Well, we still need seven defensemen. You know, obviously the rest of the." season as an opportunity for Patrick to showcase what he can do and see if he can keep himself in the conversation for next year. (laughs) He didn't play until Borvietsky uh, (laughs) Borvierechny Is Lost and reported. <laughs> Get out. R.I.P. Mark Borvietsky. I understand he's being treated locally. <laughs> Local anesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, even, uh, even this guy's anesthetic is local. That's yeah. right. Yo, but if Borvietsky misses significant time, and at any point, Weirkosh is a healthy scratch for Mike Koska. Like, at that point, he doesn't even need to bring his gear to the rink. Like, yeah. <laughs> but Brian Murray hasn't said anything like what he said with Matt Cassian, which is just like, nope. <laughs> that guy is not in our plans. <laughs> Brian Murray, I thought, always liked Weirkosh. Mm-hmm. Drafted him in the second round. He was always talking him up as like, oh, you know, Patrick Weirkosh is doing some exciting things in Binghamton. And this was when, when he was, like, his first year in Binghamton, he was terrible, as I recall. And it wasn't until he took, he was out for half a season when he took that puck in the yeah. throat. And then he came back and he's like, oh, wow, power play quarterback Patrick Weirkosh. Let's call that guy up. And new he, lease on life. New lease on life. He came up. He was playing with Gonchar. He looked pretty good. He's got his buddy Turris on the team. Everything's looking out. Brian Murray signs him to a three-year deal. And now it's just kind of like, well, I like Patrick, but uh, Dave says uh, I can't, <laughs> we got to get rid of him. Yeah. So I'm in my feelings. And I work for Dave, so... I've been my feelings about Gonchar these days. Where I was looking up Gonchar the other day, and it was like, he'd get somewhere between like 23 and 33 points a year. We were roasting this guy because he made $5 million a year that doesn't actually really affect the team that mm. much when they're not a cap team. 
And now we're like, we gotta preserve this guy that gets five points. It's like, I miss that, like, future Hall of Famer that we had on the blue line who we were like, this guy got walked on two goals to this me, year. To me, one of the lowest moments in franchise history for me, like, in terms of just me not sort of agreeing with the fans was I think it was the home opener in 2012. Oh, yeah. I when that. he and Kuba both got booed. <laughs> I was there, I was there, and they, those boos were like, they were on something you can't trust the gen pop, like 15 people out of 19,000. Okay. Food. But, like, <laughs> you it's the booze that you remember. You, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they were both a little bit overpaid, but, like, after, after the last three or four years, tell me you wouldn't take 2012 Kuba and Gonchar on your team most nights, you know? Which is why I'm not that upset about bringing in Dion Phaneuf, even at a $7 million No, this ticket. is my fear with Dion Phaneuf, where it's like, well, four and a half years from now, though, this contract's not going to be... It's like, I want the sense to be good within four and a half years and now. Like, I don't want, like, Eric Carlson to be, like, 31, and we're like, now's the time where we're going for the throat. It's like, this is this is already the hottest podcast we've ever done. I get the you sense... You know I had a temper when you married me. <laughs> I get the sense that uh, Phaneuf so far has enjoyed his time in Ottawa. I feel like he's relaxed. He's, you know, even if they're not a playoff team, he likes the guys he's playing with. Mm-hmm. He's having a good time. I'm going to start looking for, you know, some condo by the water. I mean, He doesn't it's... have the wry wit of Clark MacArthur or the, like, genuine likability of Bobby Ryan. But the guy says stuff that I'm kind of like, look, I'm a person who's lived through... The most beloved player in team history being like, we probably don't really have a shot winning this playoff series. Like, when he's kind of like, the fans were cheering me when I scored my first goal. And you know what? Never going to forget that for the rest of my career. I was like, that's the kind of stuff I need yeah. in 2016. But did you did you see that um, uh, every time he touched the puck in practice this morning that the Sens players were booing him just to get him ready for the ACC? That's Good. That's, I was like, that's camaraderie. I like yeah, that. I like it. I think we as a fan base, we've done this before, right? We've brought in Clark MacArthur, a guy we now love, giving Dion Phaneuf a new lease on overpaid life. My question to you guys is, can we do it again with Scott Gomez? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) If I can walk this back like a step or two, has watching Dion Phaneuf been kind of an educational experience for you? Roasting that guy beyond belief for years. Where now I watch him and I'm kind of like, you know what, Dianfinov is a much better skater than I ever yeah. gave him credit for. <laughs> like, you know, like he, his shot is not as inaccurate as I may have portrayed on Twitter for the last like five or six years. It's weird how as soon as someone is not the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. you can start to see them for what for their positive. The pluses, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the pluses. It's like how Scott goes. Like the guy's made a living passing the puck, no. and I'm like. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring big things to that fourth line. Whereas before, I'm like, Scott Gomez is a guy that has not scored a goal for one full year. Help Wikipedia by expanding this stuff of roasting this guy. You know, like, it's, uh, it's a different world. Yeah, But uh, no, I, I, I'm enjoying watching Dion Phaneuf. Like, he's reminding me a little bit of when we had Gonchar on the second pair. Can we talk about how being like basically out of the playoffs takes a world of pressure off the rest of the season? Where it's like, yeah. the team signs Scott Gomez and you're kind of like... I'm worried though because... He will fill in admirably on the fourth line. Well, like, but if you do 
do believe they're out of the playoffs, then I mean, why not? You know, play Matt Pumple. I like. I again, it's kind of like we're reclaiming all the castoffs from our hated rivals. <laughs> like well, we, got, I, we got we got Scott Gomez. I don't really see him as a hab though. Like he wasn't there that long. <laughs> yeah, because he wasn't that good. <laughs> I remember it once. He once didn't score a goal for a year, and then he did. And I remember somebody saying Scott Gomez scored uh, in case you needed a reminder to change the batteries in your smoke detector. <laughs> yeah, we all read that uh, players Tribune piece. I'm worried about the team getting too dependent on Scott Gomez and then not having him available for the playoffs. I had a weird daydream about Scott Gomez having... Like, what if he's the magic talisman? What if he's this year's Andrew Hammond? level, like, rest of the season? Like, 20 points in 23 games? And then Brian Murray out here at that press conference, like, so we've decided to let go Nick Paul and Curtis Lazar, and we've got Scott Gomez. I feel like he brings a real winning pedigree to the team and just be like, <laughs> we have like 37 year old Scott Gomez now. That's when I get on my like sense have no direction Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we re sign Scott Gomez. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I would imagine that. That's my line. That's my line. <laughs> All right. I, so, I, so your line is not re signing Chris Neal. My line is not signing Scott Gomez. I, I like sit through that sign and you just be like, it shows the team they still have confidence. And then they re-signed them. I'm right out there. I'll see you at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. James, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and fiery takes. <laughs> Ruth Hader Ginsburg, as I like to call thank you. Thank you. Yeah, shout out to myself. You yeah. took a podcast and you made it your home. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like a hermit crab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> uh, we'll be back in a few weeks. Well, Will the Senators make the playoffs? Yeah. Come back to our right. podcast to uh, find out. Yeah. All right. Good day, folks. See you soon. Bye. Just wanted to spit my beer. For a couple of hours, who both still live with their moms. Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on. No other podcast was finer. Or was more of a hit with the big rig diners. We never thought they'd make it past episode five. Whoa, somehow these dudes named Shed and Paris are alive. Whoa, 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 whoa. The best and worst thing about the hundreds is that anytime someone is legitimately behaving in a way that they should be kicked out, that's when the ushers are like, yeah, you got to hear both sides. <laughs> Did I ever tell you my story about watching a game in the 100s? Tell us, James. I think you that's told why this we, on your own podcast. That's why we brought did, you here. Yeah, but but the, since no one heard it, tell it again. The gal throwing the nachos into the hair of the other gal. What? Well, there's a lot more swearing allowed on the Scotch cast. Rest in peace. This gal in a Boston Bruins jersey was that like Boston scored and she turned around and instructed everyone to S or M F ing D. It's actually worse when you censor it. <laughs> exactly. Over and over and over again. She said, till this gal behind me just took her nachos and just right into her hair. Just that cheese and the chips <laughs> just dripping down her neck it's, and what's interesting about it is like the crumbled up chips are almost as bad as you can see they're almost going to be as hard to get out of the hair as the cheese oh sure and it, and then the usher is like up the stairs and it's just like gotta hear both sides <laughs> and let then, them play let them play <laughs>
But then you'll hear somebody like tearing a strip off of every player during the player announcements in the three hundreds. You're you're out of here. You're you're out of here. <laughs> or like you spilt your beer and it touched the jacket of someone in front of you. You're you're done. 